This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Uh, my name's Kevin, and uh, I get to share for a few minutes. Wow, those lights are bright when it goes from uh, dark to light. That's, ex- that's exciting. Uh, I get to, good, you're awake. I was a little concerned, I got to be honest, when the first song came on that we were actually awake or that we didn't just drive here in our sleep. So I'm glad that we're awake and we're ready uh, to be here to engage. Uh, man, I got a phone call, or I got a text message at 6.45 and then a phone call at 8 a.m. from two volunteers who got the flu this morning, which is just no fun uh, for me because then I have to find replacements for them. No, it's no fun for them and it's no fun for me. Um, but it, I mean, I... Uh, I've come and a couple more people are sick, and I don't say that uh, for us to get nervous, but I look around and we're missing, uh, we're missing some friends uh, this morning because of this flu thing. Uh, I had a, a roommate in college who's actually one of my best friends, and he got the flu once, and he said, man, in heaven there will be no more flu. And for, like, for him, that was enough. Like, that's, if nothing else, streets of gold, whatever, no more flu. What a, what a gift. Uh, so, uh, I want to start just by praying for people who are sick, because even though uh, there will be no more flu in heaven, I do want to pray for healing. It's not a, a reason for us to worry uh, or to stay away, but I do want to pray that God would be meeting those people this morning. So would you join me? Uh, let's pray for those guys before we get started. Uh, Lord, uh, this sickness thing is going around. Uh, it's no fun. And we pray for our friends today who aren't able to be here with us because they're sick. Would you be meeting them this morning in very real ways, uh, even though they can't be here with uh, our larger community? Uh, would, would they know that you're speaking? Uh, would they have an intimate time with you, uh, a time where they can sit and reflect on who you are and what you're doing? I do ask God that you would bring healing in their lives, that you would bring it quickly, uh, that your comfort would come upon them. Uh, and God, I ask that you would protect uh, those of us who are healthy. Would you keep us healthy uh, and help us to be able to come and engage with you and engage with each other? And God, would you open us up today to the things that you want to say to us? Would you be speaking into our lives, Lord, in very real and in very true ways uh, that we would actually be changed people when we leave here because we hear the truth about who you are and then we experience your reality in our lives and that just changes us. So would you be uh, doing something in our lives today? Amen. I, uh, I feel lucky to be a pastor uh, because uh, as a pastor— uh, I get to prepare sermons, and I tell you, find people, the things that God wants us to do as a community. Um, but the question that God always brings back to me is, are you buying what you're selling? You know, are you, are you doing this? Are you experiencing the things that you're telling my people uh, that they should be experiencing? And this week I had one of those moments. Uh, we're talking about new life, about transformation, about what God wants to do. And God kept bringing me back to uh, the ways that he has been transforming me my life as I have followed him. And, and he, he's just been having me wrestle with what's he been doing and then what is he continuing to do today and what does he want to do in the future. And so I've been reflecting on, on life and truth and reality and what God might be saying to me and then what God might be saying uh, to us. And I had one of those moments. Remember, I preached about um, passionate worship a few weeks ago, about a month ago. I had one of those moments where God surprised me and caught me in worship today. I was sitting back in the back and, and worshiping God, and, and all of a sudden, man, this emotion just came on me when we were singing about, uh, from the inside out, Lord, my soul just cries to you. It cries to you. I couldn't sing. I, I got, I got uh, 
uh, my chest got tight, and those things that happened that guys aren't supposed to um, say happen uh, began to happen out of my eyes, like stuff got in my eyes. Uh, and, um, and so I wiped them out, the stuff out of my eyes. Uh, so God is doing something with me, in me, through this message. Uh, and my hope is that he's also going to do something in you in this message. If it's just me, I, I think God would be okay if one person's life has changed uh, from hearing his word. But I know that God wants to do more than that. He wants to do more than just meet me today. Uh, as much as I'm excited that he is meeting me, I think, uh, I know that he wants to, uh, to meet you. And we're going to talk about what we just saw in that video. Uh, what's your next move? What are you going to do? The reality is there are always things to be excited about in life, to be praising God for, to be thanking God for. And at the same time, it seems like there are always things that are difficult, that are hard, uh, places of, of struggle, of failure, of, of temptation. And so we live in this tension. It's not like we just always experience uh, one, or at least that's the way that it seems. It seems like we're always in this place where we are in difficult times. There are tough things happening. Uh, and, and we'll talk about those in a few minutes. But uh, in the midst of that, we have to be asking God, where are the glimmers of hope? Uh, where are the places where you're moving? Where do I see your, uh, the new life that you're calling me to? Where do I see this transformation happening uh, today, here, now? Because uh, really, that's, that's what God wants. He wants you to experience new life, passionate life, a life where you're drawn into a deep and an intimate relationship with him, where you experience uh, a living hope, a hope of a new day, that today could be uh, the beginning, uh, this new thing that God might want to do, a life where you experience his love, his power, his intimacy, uh, his, his restoring of uh, your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your roommates, uh, where he could just be doing something new. If you're here today and you've never uh, experienced uh, a relationship with God, if you're checking out this whole God thing, uh, I want you to know that's the kind of God we're talking about. A God that actually wants to, to do something in your life, to, to transform, to bring about this newness uh, that you experience as you experience his love and experience uh, his grace and his power uh, and his healing. We're in a series called Good News in Tough Times. Uh, we're looking at the book of First Peter chapter 1, uh, written by a guy named Peter, uh, which made me think how cool it would be to uh, have a book of the Bible named after me right? Like first Kevin or second Kevin. Uh, now, that will never happen. Uh, I'm okay with that. I've come to grips with that reality. Uh, the Bible is written. It's there. I'm not writing it. I'm just reading it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Peter was one of the 12 followers of Jesus. Uh, and he was one of those guys, like, if your parents ever said to you, if your friends told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? Peter's answer was yes, absolutely. Uh, I would do it twice, actually, uh, if they asked me to, especially if Jesus asked me to. Man, if Jesus asked me to do something, I would do it. If Jesus said, jump, I would say, how high? Uh, Peter was a man of action. Peter did uh, everything, man, everything that, that God was asking him to do, that Jesus was asking him to do. Uh, and he got in trouble because he did a lot of things that Jesus was not asking him to do. Uh, he just kind of did them anyway, because he felt like he knew what he was doing. So again, not perfect, uh, but passionate, but ready to, to do something with the things he's learning, the things he's experiencing. Uh, and that's the guy who's writing this, uh, this letter. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 1 for the next number of weeks uh, in this series, just looking at what does he say to this group of people who are scattered all over uh, different Roman communities. So the Romans are ruling this uh, whole region, this whole empire, and then within that there are these communities that they oversee, and he's writing to Christians within these communities— 
Uh, and these Christians are facing the beginnings of persecution, uh, of difficulty in their life. Why? Because they refused to bow down to the Roman emperor. They refused to bow down to Caesar. Uh, Caesar believed he was on the same level as the gods, uh, lowercase g gods. The Romans had a whole bunch of different gods that they worshipped, and he believed he was a god among the gods. And, and so they said to the, these Christians, just, just bow down to Caesar. You, you can have Christ, you can have Jesus, but just bow down to Caesar too, uh, and, and then you'll be fine. Uh, and for most of the people in the Roman world, this wasn't an issue. Sure, add on another god. I like gods. They had gods for everything. They had gods of the sun, gods of the moon, gods of, of beer, gods of, of food. They had gods of everything. So why not add Caesar? And yeah, gods of beer. Uh, I've said that before, but it just strikes me as odd. So uh, the god of beer. I don't know if wine maybe would strike you people, or wine country people more, but uh, they had all these gods. So for them, Caesar, no big deal. I will bow down to him. Sure. Uh, but for these Christians, uh, they're experiencing something powerful. They're experiencing something real, something true. Uh, they're experiencing transformation, not by man-made gods, not by these gods made of wood or metal or stone. They're experiencing transformation, not by self-help techniques, um, but they're experiencing it through the living God, a God that's real, uh, a God that is true, and they're experiencing persecution because they refuse to bow down to Caesar. They will not do it. Uh, and uh, so this persecution is coming, and Peter believes that it's going to get worse. So part of why he's writing is to say, hey, hold on to the truth. It's going to get worse for you. Uh, and it did, uh, by the way. 30 to 40 years later, uh, one of the villages that Peter's writing to is a place called Bithynia. Uh, the governor, about 40 years later, 30 years later, uh, started, he sent a letter to the Roman emperor saying, man, I am, I am executing anyone who claims the name of Christ. I'm just killing them straight across the board. And the emperor liked that. So over the next hundred years after that, that became the normal practice throughout the Roman Empire. Just execute anyone who professed Christ uh, who wouldn't bow down to Caesar. So it's bad and it's getting worse. And Peter says, hold on. Hold on. God is doing something. The God that you're experiencing is real, is true, does have uh, good things for your life, even in the midst of these really difficult times. Uh, and that's what we're going we're gonna to get into today. So I'm getting excited. We should keep going. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, read something like this. Uh, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ from the dead. He's given us new birth into uh, a living hope. And isn't that what we just celebrated in communion? We look at the life of Jesus, and we say through his life, we experience the, the deep intimacy that we can have with God. Uh, we look at Jesus' life, and we look at, wow, he's, he talked to God, and he heard from God, and he, he went where God wanted him to go, and he knew that his identity was wrapped up in God. And in the life of Jesus, we see this intimate connection with God that we can have. In the death of Jesus, we see how God would go to any length to grab us, to, to pull us in, to, to draw us to himself, that he would give his very self on death, that we might have a relationship with him. And then through uh, Jesus being raised from the dead through what's called the resurrection, we see that God is powerful, that not even death can hold in uh, what God wants to do. And Paul, Peter says that it's that same power. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead that's giving you new life. It's that same power uh, that, that, that caused 
Christ to, to be dead for three days, but then to raise up again. Somehow that power of God is now bringing new life into your life. Remember, these people are facing some major tension. On the one hand, they can add Christianity onto the things that they are already doing. Uh, they can add Christianity onto the other gods that they're worshiping. Some of these people uh, were Jewish people who became Christians. Some were non-Jewish people who became Christians. And for the non-Jewish people, they had all sorts of gods. So they could just kind of add Jesus on, uh, on top of their way, on top of the things they're already doing. And to be honest, that would make things easier for them. Uh, but on the other hand, they're experiencing this relationship with God that's not like anything they've ever experienced from these other gods. Uh, and, and so they've got this tension because the same God that is giving them this transformation, this new life, is also calling for everything that they have. He's calling for their time, their talent, their energy, uh, their money, uh, their, their, um, their passion, their everything. And I, I wonder, I was thinking this week, what would it be like to live uh, with that kind of tension? Where uh, we could worship Jesus as long as we also worshiped uh, all the other things that the world tells us to worship. And, and I know you'd have to stretch your minds, uh, but imagine with me for a minute, what would it be like today? And this is crazy because it's not like this at all, but what would it be like today uh, if uh, the world around us said, you can worship Jesus, you can worship God, uh, as long as you also worship, let's say, money? Like, what, what would that look like today? Uh, yeah, you can worship God, you can sing to him and all these things, but, but know that your security comes from the God of money that your identity comes from the God of money, that your family will be taken care of because of the God of money. Worship them together. Won't that make things easier for you? Uh, friends, uh, by the way, the God of money is dead in North America. Have you noticed that? Uh, and, um, and, and people who, who worship the God of money are freaking out right now. They're freaking out because they've put everything, all of their security in the God of money. Because it seemed easier. We just, we add Jesus into the God of money. But it's not, it's not easier. It's not the way to go. But we are, we're, we're freaking out because the God of money is dead and it doesn't look like he's going to be raised from the dead anytime soon. Uh, and, and so there's this tension here. Or what, what would it look like if the world around us said you can worship God uh, as long as you also worship the image that you give off to people? Like, that would be good, right? That would make it easier. You can worship God. You can sing to him. You can praise him. Uh, but make sure that you also look like you have it all together. That everyone around you thinks that, that you have it all together. That your family is the perfect family. That you're the perfect husband or the perfect wife. Really, that's uh, where true life comes in. That's what the world tells us. But, but Jesus says, no. Worshiping me means that you don't have it all together. That you confess that. That you fall on my grace and you say, God, transform me. Uh, or, or material stuff, things. What would it be look like if our culture said, worship God, but also worship the stuff you have. Make sure you have the most stuff before you die. Make sure you have the most boats and the most cars and the most toys, and, and you're keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, what would it look like to live in a society that said you can worship God as long as you also worship all of these other things? And I know it's a stretch for us because we don't have anything like that today. Uh, but just imagine, or, or worship uh, God as long as you also worship your career. You know, that you make, you make your identity your career. Uh, that everything you do is about getting ahead in your career. You can worship God, but really uh, worship your job, because that's really where true life is found. Man, that would be crazy to live in a world like that. Uh, but we don't, thank goodness. Uh, the tension's not that new for us. This is not something we haven't heard before. Uh, no, we're not being killed for our faith. 
And, and thank you, Jesus, for that, that we're not being killed for our faith. Um, but these people were being killed for their faith. Imagine if it wasn't just the work stuff or the money stuff. Imagine if uh, people came in and said, uh, you can worship God, but if you, if you worship God alone, if you won't bow down to Caesar, we'll kill your wife. We'll kill your kids. I think sometimes we could say, man, I— if we, you know, if we're kind of that wild at heart kind of guy, you know, like, like brave heart, throw the sword in the sand, we would say, I would die for Jesus, you know, like I would do it. But what if someone came to you and said, I'm going to kill your wife if you don't bow down to Caesar. I'm going to kill your kids if you don't bow down to Caesar. That's the reality of this community. That's the reality of communities around the world. And so we have this tension. They have this tension uh, the world is calling for their allegiance. Caesar is calling for their allegiance, but God is calling for the same allegiance. The world wants our time, our energy, our talent, our money, uh, our, our focus, uh, but God wants all those things too so that he can actually transform them, so he can actually change them. And, and so it's this tension. Do I pick the world or do I pick this God who is real and living and true and, and transforms everything that I have? I mean, what do I do? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, pick pick Jesus is probably what he would say. That was a scale there. I, um, blind, I don't, justice is blind. I don't know the scale. Uh, scratch that for next service. Um, uh, I went to the grocery store last week. No, a couple weeks ago. Let's be honest. Don't want to lie up here. It's been a few weeks, but I went, uh, and I was going through the aisles, and I was grabbing my groceries because I was hungry. So I'm grabbing my stuff. Uh, and I go up to the checkout line. And I put it on the little conveyor belt, which is pretty cool because he's got a hidden button that just moves things. Uh, and so I put it on the conveyor belt, and I go over to the checker, and I greet the checker. I say hello. I, I give the checker my money. Uh, the checker gives me my stuff. And, and that's pretty much the extent of my relationship with the checker. Uh, unless you're married to the checker or the checker is your best friend. For most of us, that's the extent of our relationship with the checker. Uh, we give them our money. They give us our stuff. Uh, and I'm concerned. Or I get nervous that what if we, if we aren't careful, uh, that we begin to see God as this cosmic checker. Uh, we, we go to God and we, we give him our stuff. And then he gives us this like ticket to heaven or he gives us this thing that says, you're okay, you're all right, you're fine. And then we leave, but uh, we don't really think too much about God until we need more stuff right? Until we were in danger of losing the ticket or something like that. Uh, but the reality is that what we see in First Peter is that Jesus actually says that's where the journey begins. When we give God our stuff, that's where the journey begins. It's not the end point. It's the uh, start point. He says there's this new life. There's this new transformation, this new process that begins to happen when we come into a relationship with God. In Second Corinthians, Paul puts it this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old life is gone. The old is gone, and this new has come. This new life has started, has begun. It's here. It's now. Uh, the old way of living, the old way of thinking, according to Peter, according to Paul, it's gone when we give our lives to the Lord, when we become Christians. And now there's this new thing that begins to happen, this transformation that starts inside of us. Uh, the old patterns of living the old patterns of relating to our spouse, the old patterns of relating to our kids, of relating to our co-workers, of viewing the world. He says it's gone. It's dead. It is not part of you anymore. 
and a new life has begun. Something is starting new in you. Coming to Christ is not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of this journey of transformation in our lives. Uh, I, I know that this can be hard for some of us to hear, uh, but I want you to know, according to God, something new happens when you come to Christ, when you become a Christian. Uh, and and you, you can let go of who you were. It's okay. You're not that person anymore, according to God. Uh, the horrible choices you've made in your past, uh, the addictions that you were hooked on, uh, the, the broken relationships that you were living in, they're gone. They're dead. He wants to transform, transform those. He wants to change those. He wants to make you new. Uh, God actually can transform even our marriages. I, I look around and, and I, I hear these statistics, 52, 53% of marriages are ending in divorce, and the Christians are right around the same level. Um, and, and I don't want to condemn anyone who has gone through a divorce or going through a divorce because it's a difficult and a painful process. Uh, but God can actually transform our marriages, even when they seem like they're at the end if we'd be willing to open ourselves up to God. He can transform the way we connect with our families, our identity, uh, all of those things. Uh, my daughter started to walk this last week, which is good because she's four. Uh, no, she's, she's one. Actually, she's one years old, and I, uh, she's a week and a half over her first birthday, and I sent an email to my parents and to uh, my brother and his wife, because my brother and his wife are pregnant right now with their first child, uh, and I told them that Maddie was walking, and according to my mom, my brother actually put the date on his calendar so he can make sure that his kid walks before my kid <laughs> walked, uh, which I hope that's just good joking, but I put the date on my calendar too, so we'll be going back to that. Uh, but yeah, she started to walk, and she's been getting close for a while. And you know how babies do, right? They get up, and they kind of shake a little bit. They look like they just got off a horse, and they're kind of like this. Um, and she'd take a step or two and then bam on her face. And I'd pick her up and she'd either scream or try again. And this was kind of this pattern that we had for a while. Well, Tuesday morning, uh, it's just the two of us. We're hanging out and, and I hold her hands and I'm like, come on, Maddie, you can do it. You can walk. And I just take a step back and she takes one step, two steps. And I keep walking backwards, three steps, four steps. She's going, she's cruising. Her hands are up like this and she's giggling and smiling. And I'm looking down. And I'm like, keep it locked, keep it locked. Because you know with babies, when they turn sideways, they keep walking and then it's over. Uh, and, and before we knew it, we were across the room, and we, I had my back against the wall, and she, she grabbed me, and I hugged her. I said, Maddie, that's so awesome. You're awesome. You're amazing. You walked. That's great. I said, Mo, I saw Maddie walk for the first time. You should come check this out. She said, she walked. Why didn't she call me in? I said, oh, yeah, I know. I was just so excited. Sorry. Uh, so she walked. I, I got to, to walk with her as she walked. Now, uh, what kind of a dad would I be if uh, I said, hey, walk, you know? Go, let me know when you got it figured out, uh, please. Uh, that, that would be a horrible father. That'd be a horrible father. The Bible says that God is our father. Uh, that, that God actually is teaching us uh, how to be new. It's not that God says, you're, you're now in this relationship with me, now go figure out how to walk. No, God is here with you. God has his arms wrapped around you. You might not know it, you might not always feel it, but God is there. God is holding your hands. God is saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can walk. Take the next step. You're almost there. Don't give up. Don't stop. You're there. You're there. Oh, that's so awesome. You walked. You did it. Now let's keep going. Let's keep trying. Uh, and God actually gives us tools or gifts to help us in this transformation process. He doesn't just leave us in the corner, but he gives us tools, gifts to help us on the journey. Uh, the first that he gives us is he gives us uh, the Bible, which is a cool gift. I like it. 
he gives it to us so that we can understand what it means to follow him. Uh, Do you ever read your Bible and ask yourself, am I becoming more like Jesus? Do you ever ask yourself that question? That's a great question to ask, friends, if you don't do it. Um, The Bible says that Jesus is God in human form. So if we want to know what it means to follow God, what it means to be in a relationship with God, what it means to form our lives like God would want them, we look at the life of Jesus. We get into the Bible. When we see Jesus engaging uh, with God every day in this passionate relationship where he hears from God, we begin to ask ourselves, do I experience God like that? Uh, When we see Jesus uh, loving people, we ask ourselves, do I love people like that? When things make Jesus angry or sad, do we ask, do those same things make me angry or sad? Are we becoming more like Jesus? Because this transformation is marked by our becoming like Jesus. And he gives us the Bible so that we can understand actually what that looks like, what that means. That's one of the ways that he holds us and walks with us. But it only works if we actually are engaging with God in the Bible. If you're actually getting into the scripture, if you're actually reading and saying, God, what do you want to do? Uh, When you find yourself not becoming like Jesus in a certain area where we pray, God, would you make me more like yourself? Would you make me more like Jesus? That's when God begins to transform our lives. Another gift that God gives us is the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us to truth, and that truth will transform our lives. I was asked uh, a year ago to speak at a a men's breakfast. They said, you look like a a man's man, Kevin. Come and speak at a—no, they didn't say that. Uh, But— I felt pretty good that I wasn't speaking at like a ladies' Christmas tea or something. I was speaking at the men's <laughs> breakfast. And so I went into this group of, of young men, 20-something guys, uh, and uh, I said to them, they said, Kevin, tell us what it, tell us, teach us from the scripture. Teach us what it means to be a man, uh, a true man. I said, you want to know what it means to be a man? They said, yeah, tell us what it means to be a man. I said, okay, I'm going to tell you what it means to be a man. I said, pull out your scripture, pull out your Bible, I'll open up to... Um, I believe it's Galatians uh, 5.22. I said, open up to Galatians 5.22, and I'll tell you what it means to be a man. I said, here's what it means to be a man. Are you experiencing love, joy, peace, you know, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control? That's what it means to be a man. And these guys looked at me like, you are crazy. But the scripture tells us, uh, God gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in our lives will produce in us love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's what God does when we experience him. So you got to ask yourself, am I experiencing those in increasing measure? Am I a person that's more loving? Do I have more peace in my life, more patience? Am I more gentle today than I was last year? Gentle in the way I respond to others. Gentle in the way I deal with situations. Uh, Do I have more self-control? I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Maria gave me permission. So, Uh, do I have more self-control today than I did last week? And when we see, man, I don't. I don't have it because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we look at our lives and say, no, I'm not experiencing that. That's when we go back to God and we pray and we say, God, would you bring through your spirit more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. If you're going to memorize uh, a Bible verse, I don't know if you do that kind of thing anymore. We have the kids do it in the children's ministry, but it's really good because it gets in our hearts. It transforms our lives. Memorize that one. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. 
Uh, even as I say that, uh, I realize we have not arrived yet. Last weekend, I was, uh, my parents are here in town right now, my grandfather, which is very fun. Uh, last weekend, we were cleaning the house to get ready so that we could trick them into thinking that we kept a clean house. Um, so we cast, we, you know, we pulled straws for who would clean what, and I got the bathroom, uh, which is fine. I like the bathroom. Uh, so I got up to get all the bathroom stuff, you know, the bleach and the Windex and the scrubbers and the this and the that. Uh, and uh, I was remembering back to when Maria was pregnant, and I had to do that for nine months straight, and I was so thankful that she's not pregnant right now, so we could partner in the bathroom cleaning. But uh, I get all the stuff, and I go down, and I'm cleaning the bathroom, and I, I'm doing a good job. I mean, it is clean. There's not a, a mark on that mirror. It is nice. I'm on the toilet, and I'm scrubbing that toilet, and I am I'm getting in there. I'm scrubbing it, scrubbing it, scrubbing it. And Maria comes by the door, and she says, uh, hey, how's it going? I said, hey, it's going good. I'm scrubbing this toilet. And she says, you know, you're using the wrong brush, uh, which I should have realized because the brush was only about this long. Um, and I literally had my head in the toilet <laughs> scrubbing. So I, I, I looked at her, and the first thing I thought was, how could you say that to me? I'm doing this for you. Uh, which I didn't say because I'm smart. Um, because I'm learning uh, self-control. <laughs> uh, but we did, we exchanged, some, I, I said something that was a little sharp, and then she said something back, and we kind of had this little thing, and then we went on our ways, kept cleaning, and like a half hour went by, and then the, that subject came up again, and I was feeling kind of dumb because I had my head in the toilet, you know, and <laughs> Uh, and of course, then I projected it onto her. It's her fault that I had my head in the toilet and was looking dumb. So then I said something else, and she said something. And, and uh, like two or three hours later, I think we both stopped and, and said, what are, we, are, what are we arguing about? Like, what are we upset about? Uh, and neither of us had an answer. There is literally nothing to be upset about. Uh, in that moment, we had to ask ourselves, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, where are you? Where are you? Are you here? Are you back there? Are you upstairs? Because we can go get you. Um, sometimes we don't have those things. Sometimes you, you get into a situation, and I think if you stepped back, you would say, that's not me. I don't say those kind of things to my wife or my husband. That's not who I am. What am I doing? And when we step back in those moments, when we have those feelings, that's where God, I think, is saying to us through the Holy Spirit, hey, that old life is sneaking back up. That old way of doing things is sneaking back up. Believing those old lies are sneaking back up. And so what do we do with that when it sneaks back up? Well, let's be honest. We take it to the back and we kill it, right? That's what we do. We take it to the backyard and we just kill it because that has no place with us anymore. The Bible says the old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, it's not fully here, but it has started. So when this old life sneaks back up, when it tries to raise its ugly head, we, we seek forgiveness for the people we've hurt, uh, we take steps to try to make things right. Uh, when addictions come back up, we, we get involved in things that would help us work through those addictions, AA or whatever it might be. Uh, we ask God for more of his presence, more of his power to give us his spirit. And we take it out back and we just kill it because it has no place in our lives. So Peter starts off by saying, you're not this old person anymore. You're someone new. Uh, there's this new thing that's happening. And then he goes on in verse 4 to talk a little bit about heaven. And we're going to wrap up with heaven uh, a little bit. So he says in verse 4, uh, He's called you into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So not only is God giving us new life in the present, but he's preparing an inheritance for us in heaven. Romans eight sixteen says, You are God's children. 
Because you're God's children, you are heirs to God. You're co-heirs with Christ. You are God's children. He's got something prepared for you. He says there's more to life than 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and then you're dead, you're in the ground, you're rotting. No, he says that there's inheritance for you in heaven. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I know I won't have the flu. Um, uh, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I know that uh, God has a lot greater gifts than, any of, than my parents do or your parents do. And if God's going to give me a gift, it's going to be good. I mean, really, really good. Do you know that when times are tough, Do you remember that there is something beyond this, something beyond the present? God is preparing a place for me in eternity, a place for me in heaven with these great gifts. Uh, I heard someone ask the question recently because I was thinking on heaven a little bit and trying to figure out what to say. And he he said, if you had one month to live, uh, what would you do with that month? What what would you do? How would that affect your life? Uh, If you had 30 days or... Uh, Lord forbid it was February, you only had 28 days. Uh, What would you do with that last month? Before you went to be with God, to experience this wonderful inheritance that he has for you, how would you use your life? How would you use this new life, this new creation that he's got for you? And so I started thinking, man, what would I do? And you can think while I'm talking, uh, but I thought, well, uh, with my wife, what would I do uh, with, for my wife, with my wife? Well, I would do the chores around the house, right? Because I wouldn't be there to do them anymore. I'd do them with a good attitude. I'd serve her all that I could. I'd listen to her when she talked, and I'd, I'd ask her questions. I'd get to know her. I would listen more than I talked, which would be a miracle in itself. Um, I mean, what would you do? Uh, I would tell her how much I valued her, how much I loved her, how much I appreciate her. What a difference she's made in my life in the last number of years. Uh, that's what I would do with my wife. Um, I would also grow a mustache, which she would hate. Uh, but I've always wanted a mustache. I think they're pretty cool, uh, pretty manly. Uh, and so I'd probably grow a mustache in those 30 days. But uh, she would have to let that go because I was doing all these other nice things with her and for her. How would it affect my life with God? Man, I'd want to get to know God more. Wouldn't you want to get to know God more? If you're going to spend eternity with uh, God who uh, is preparing this gift for you, wouldn't you want to know him as well as you could? So when you got to heaven, it was like, I'm home. I'm home. I'm back to my loving father. I knew you. I knew you'd be like this. Oh, this is so great. Oh, I love this so much. I mean, it'd be kind of sad to say, hey, I, I, squeaked, I squeaked in. I squeaked by. Like, oh, you're God. Okay, I was wondering. I was kind of wondering what you'd be like. No, we want to know God now. So I would, I would spend time with him every day. I'd listen. I'd ask him, God, what's going to happen? I want to know. I want to know what's going to happen. What's next? And with my daughter, and I'd get up every time she cried, and I'd hug her, and I'd love her. I'd change her dirty diapers without complaining because I wouldn't be around to do that anymore. And I'd teach her everything I knew. And uh, when that 30 minutes was up, I would go on playing games with her. Uh, I would just, I would just love my daughter with a passion for those 30 days. And then I began to ask myself, why wait? Why, why wait? We might have 50 more years. We might just have 50 more minutes. The Bible says we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not. Uh, Now, you may be around for a long time. I may be around for a long time. But we are not guaranteed tomorrow. So why wait? Why not live in this new life now, today, here? Why not begin to uh, express uh, the things that God is putting in your life? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, love, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Now, here, today, to those around you. My hope for each of us in this room would be that we would be able to say, uh, man, I know that I'm going to be with God someday. I know that he's preparing a gift for me. Uh, and I'm excited about that. But that that would actually transform today. 
that today you would say, I am going to love my kids, love my roommates, love my spouse, love the person on the street corner, love my coworkers in a way that would, would help them experience the transforming life that I'm experiencing. And my hope would be that you would say, I can't wait to get up every day and spend time with the Lord because I want to know him. Because if I go to be with him tomorrow, I want to know who I'm going to spend my eternity with. And so you would get up with just with this passion to listen to God, to engage with God, to ask the question, am I becoming more like Jesus today? And that you would not waste another day, that none of us would squander a day saying, well, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll start living in that new life. No, God calls us to live in that new life today. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray two things. One, I'm going to pray for those of us who have a relationship with God, that we would not squander the new life that he's given us, but that we would live each day to its fullest. And then two, if you're here today and you've never experienced a deep and a passionate relationship with God, I'm going to pray for you and give you some time to do business with the Lord. The truth is that God uh, is preparing a place for you, that God has done his work. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to bring transformation into your life. And the choice is yours. Will you invite him into your life to help you experience that? So I'm going to pray those two things, and I'll give you some space as I pray uh, to do some business with the Lord. Would you join me, and let's pray together. God, you've given us a gift of transformation. Paul, you're very clear. Paul's very clear in his word uh, that the old life is gone. It's dead. And when it comes up, we just got to kill it and move on with this new life, a new life that has begun with you, Christ. So God, would you help us through your Holy Spirit to experience everything that that new life entails? Would you help us to not waste one day, not put off for one day uh, the life that you're calling us to live, even in the midst of difficult times? Would you help us to live in this hope uh, of the future that you're calling us to? Hope today, even when things seem very tough. And God, through your spirit, would you be producing in each of us an overflow of love, an overflow of joy, peace, of patience, of kindness, of gentleness, of faithfulness, of self-control. Would you be producing those things in us uh, even today as we leave this place? As we continue to pray, if you're here and you've never come into a relationship with God, Uh, and you want to, you're experiencing God today, and you know there's something real, if God's stirring something in you, you can just pray, uh, repeat the words that I pray to yourself, and just pray something like this. Uh, Lord Jesus, I know uh, that you are preparing a place for me. God, I want to come into a relationship with you. Lord, would you show me every day what it means to live uh, in the new reality of the life that you're calling me into. And would you give me the strength to give myself completely to you? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.